Welcome to Embers and Wind. Are you feeling a calling to serve? What if answering this calling unleashes from deep within you leadership potential? I'm your podcast host, Keith Weedman. Blended three decades experience with knowledge from multiple disciplines to unleash hidden potential in others. In this weekly podcast, my distinguished guests and I will share what fuels us and how we serve. You will feel a gentle wind on the embers of service that glow within you. You will receive kindling for your capabilities and knowledge to build skills. You can utilize this gentle wind to ignite the kindling. You will be guided to do this for people you lead and serve. You can apply what you learn with people you love. Get ready to feel the gentle wind. Today's guest is a two-time best-selling author, professional speaker, educator, and parent. She has a scientifically proven system for improving communication and decreasing conflict. She has written many magazines, been quoted in Forbes, and was a contributor for The Blaze. She has been a guest on radio stations across the country. She has appeared on television for ABC4, Free Speech TV, and others. Please join me in welcoming Jeannie Sisko-Meth, and her topic today is managing the weather in your space. Welcome, Jeannie. Thank you, Keith, so much for having me. I really appreciate it. I just got to know, I'm sure that there's listeners that are wondering, what do you mean by managing the weather in your space? So we all have the ability to choose our response to what's happening around us. And so often it's really easy to blame someone else for the junk that's going on in our lives. However, when we go down that path, we lose all control and we're not able to manage what it is that's going on around us. Whereas when I realize that thoughts are things, and I pull that back in and I take that space between the stimulus and response that Viktor Frankl talks about. And I realize that it's my choice that is creating either the order or the chaos around me. And so that's what I mean by managing the weather in my space. I love that you mentioned Viktor Frankl. And I'm guessing there's probably somebody listening that doesn't know who Viktor Frankl is. So Viktor Frankl was a psychologist during the concentration camp, and he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning. Well, he wrote many books, but my book that I've written called Bully Proofing You starts with a quote from him, and it comes from that book, Man's Search for Meaning. And the quote is, between stimulus and response, there is a space. And in that space lies our power to choose. And in our choice lies our growth and our freedom. And I love the book for two reasons. One, it talks about the Holocaust from a scientific point of view. And then the other, it goes into the human behavior and what he learned. And it's just an incredible book. I highly recommend it. Thank you for sharing that. When you talk about going deeper and you talk about that our thoughts cause our behavior, what about feelings? How do emotions tie into the equation? So I have to start with a caveat. <laughs> um, when I was growing up, my dad was, 
he encouraged only two emotions and he encouraged shutting off all the other emotions. He would talk frequently about how, you know, emotions are bad or don't cry. I'll give you something to cry about, things like that. And so it was very apparent to me at a young age that I could be angry or I could be neutral. I didn't really have all the other emotions. And then as I have grown and matured and learned, I've come to think of emotions or feelings as a rainbow. And we need all of the colors to have a complete rainbow. And as I learn, you know, why am I angry in this moment? Or I'll ask the question, what am I feeling right now? Because my feelings, I have a thought followed by a feeling. And that feeling then leads to action or inaction. So many times I'll be working with my personal mentoring clients and they aren't taking the action. I'm like, okay, what's the feeling that comes right after the action step? And once you identify that feeling, you can then utilize your feelings to either move you forward or to stop you from doing something that you shouldn't be doing. I love the way you do that. Now, one of the things that you talk about is bullying. Yes, And I know that bullying in school years is something that is an issue. How prevalent is that issue? Well, they say that one in four people are bullied. Now, those are reported statistics. I believe it's much higher than that, especially when you bring in the internal bully, the one that lives in our own head. And I remember as a high school teacher, I was a high school teacher for 17 years, and I remember seeing firsthand how bullying could devastate a student or have absolutely no effect on a student. And so I spent a lot of time doing research and my own research and development as well with my students and figuring out what was the main difference between the student who was devastated by comments and inappropriate words and the student who just allowed it to roll off and just was like whatever dude you know and so i realized that personal value was the foundation way too often we allow others to decide who we are and i think it's very very important for us as individuals to decide and define who i am and then i know which labels to pull off People are constantly trying to stick labels on us all the day. And so if I can look at my labels and go, oh, no, that doesn't stick, pull that off. Oh, no, that doesn't stick, pull that off. And then go, wait, I'm going to reapply some of these labels that I know empower me, lift me up, and help me move forward. I think that's a very, very important skill to learn how to do. The word resiliency comes to my mind. Yes, absolutely. So tell me more about resiliency and how you teach that. Resiliency is the ability to bounce back after adversity. And so I'll use an example that we've experienced recently. In February, we were reaching about two to 3,000 people with our Facebook social media group. Um, if I add the others in, it goes up, but I have very specific numbers for Facebook. And we've been working for some time to reach people and to help people impact people. And a few short months later, we're reaching 3.5 million people. Now with that comes the exponential growth of the negative as well. So while we have hundreds of thousands of people saying, wow, what an incredible, I love this. This is spot on. You know, I'm enjoying this. We also have the other side that is saying, this is horrible. This is wrong. I can't believe you're saying these things. In schooling, when I left, there was a zero tolerance rule, which in my opinion is horrid. 
you need to take each individual situation differently. Because if I say zero tolerance, then the person who's bullying is not getting help. And the person who is bullying needs just as much help as the victim of the bullying because hurt people hurt people. In your 17 year experience as a high school educator, I'm be willing to bet that you've had some experiences that have helped to shape you into what you do today. Can you share one of those experiences or a couple of those experiences? I'm glad you added a couple. I was like, oh, geez, how do I weed out all of them to one, right? Um, so it started with me being bullied as a child. I was told in elementary school that I was too stupid. I would never make it through school. And they were right. I had a lot of learning disabilities. And so schooling was very difficult for me. And I had a big target on my back, not only because of my speech impediment, I had dyslexia, I had all kinds of things. I was also six foot tall. And so I was kind of a big target for bullies. And then as a teacher, seeing it from the other side, you know, and going, wow, you know, feeling the pain that bullies had felt and then understanding it and being able to help people, that was so important. And then that led not so much naturally, I almost said naturally to the stage, but not so much naturally, Get definitely God saying, hey, here's your next phase of life. So to recap real quick, learning how to deal with it as a victim of bullying, and then helping my children as a parent deal with bullying, and then helping my students as a teacher, how to empower them and help them heal so that that bullying cycle is broke and it doesn't continue. You mentioned faith, and I think faith can guide us. I'd be willing to bet since you work with school systems, though, you know how to talk about this without mentioning faith. I actually do talk about faith from the classroom. Sometimes when I'm going in, they will say, we cannot have you mention God. And I'll say, fine, I'm leaving. <laughs> I, I will not... I, I made that commitment to the Lord when I started my journey. And I said, Lord, if you get me a stage, I will make sure that you get credit for it. And I tell them, this is what I say from stage. I am brought in here as a guest. Your teachers, your faculty have absolutely, they cannot control what I say from stage. I'm going to talk about God and my faith. Here's my card. If you or your parents have a problem with it, reach out to me personally. And I have never, ever had anybody complain. And we have traveled all over the United States. We've done full, entire, every school in a school district. You know, we've also been on radios and TV shows in Europe and other places. And so the Lord leads me where he knows I should go. You mentioned a, a couple of stories. Do you have more? Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, so the kind of the moment of inception for the Bullyproofing You program came, I'd been a teacher probably about three years, still very new. <laughs> and I was working at an alternative high. So I was dealing with gang members, you know, drug addicts, parents. I had one student who was 17 years old and had seven children. Wow. And so I spent some time really seeing, okay, how can I help my students the most? And I like to stand at the door and welcome my students in, just like when my kids walk home, I'm like, hey, welcome home. You know, so I'm standing at the door, welcoming my students to the classroom. And I had one of my students who was walking down the hallway and another student said something, in my opinion, that wasn't really inflammatory, 
you know, I mean, it wasn't necessarily appropriate. And I'm like, hey, go to class, behave yourself. Mm -hmm. And the other student came into my classroom and was absolutely devastated. And mm -hmm. I was like, oh my goodness. And so I was talking with him and, and helping him and didn't think more of it until the next class period, standing at the front of my classroom again at my door, welcoming students. And another student walking down the hallway had a comment from a student that I thought was absolutely horrendous. And I'm like, hey, buddy, you okay? And he's like, that guy's just an idiot. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And in that moment, I started thinking, okay, what's the difference between the student that was devastated and the student that shook it off? So I started doing surveys with my students. I started talking and digging in deep. And I started with those two students. And I started looking for the common ground between the students who were victims and the students who were bullied, but never considered themselves bullied. What was the difference? And I found out that it was that personal value, that deciding who I am. And then other people either validate, and, and I believe my belief even deeper, or I discredit what they're saying because it goes against what I believe. So if I believe that I'm valuable, if I believe that I'm loved, if I believe that I'm special, when somebody tells me I'm not, I don't believe them. I used to illustrate it from stage as saying, how do you like my purple dress? Now, I never wore a purple dress on stage, but I would ask that question. It was so funny to watch the reactions in the audience because they'd be like, what? <laughs> She's not wearing, you know, the look on their face was hilarious. And I would say, exactly. When you know that you're not a purple dress and somebody calls you a purple dress, it doesn't affect you. You also mentioned the bully and the, your intolerance for zero tolerance policies. <laughs> you probably have had some experience with bullies where you've dug deeper with them too. Yeah, I have never sat in a room with a bully that wasn't hurting, never. And that's where the phrase hurt people, hurt people comes from is because if I'm in pain, and I've been there, you know, I've said things that I should never have said. Mm -hmm. I've done things I never should have done. And I have asked forgiveness for them from the person and from my Lord and Savior. And um, I pray that I never do it again. And I know that I will, <laughs> because I'm human, you know, and in that moment of pain, all I'm focused on is me and my pain. I'm not focused on what I'm doing to other people, what I'm saying to other people. That's where the bully is coming from. They're learning how to bully because of the behavior they're dealing with at home, or they're learning how to bully because of what they're watching on TV or listening to in their songs. You have to be taught how to be a bully. It's not natural. And so we learn it because we're sinners and we have pain. I like the way you describe the bully, that they too are going through challenges. They too have within them another possibility, yeah. a capability to be much more than what they see. You also men mentioned the inner bully. Tell, tell me more about that. So the inner bully is kind of came out of bully proofing you because I would be talking to parents and I would say, you know, that voice in your head, the one that tells you you're not good enough, you're stupid, you're too old, you're too fat, whatever. And every single person would be like, yeah, yeah, I do have that. And I said, that is just as important to tame and shut off as the bully, the external bullies. 
And I started talking to mothers and I'd say, you know, when you wake up in the morning and you're like, oh my gosh, I look horrible. I don't have any makeup on, my hair's a mess. And you start dissing on yourself. I said, that's the internal bully. You need to stop it because you're modeling that bully behavior for your children. I said, tomorrow morning when you wake up and you're walking down the hallway and you see a reflection in, in a glass or a mirror, you're gonna pause and you're gonna, oh my gosh, check me out. I am gorgeous. I worked on this hairdo all night long, baby. I'm looking hot today. Then you're modeling a healed person. You're modeling a person who believes in themselves, who knows that I can wake up with messy hair and I'm still okay. We need more of that in our society. And I think part of our problem and part of our disagreements and fractured um, society is coming because we don't have enough people who have decided, hey, you know what? You and I don't agree and that's okay. It's okay. We can agree to disagree and still come to the table and hammer out a solution for our communities, for our country, for you know, our families. I think we've lost that. And I think we need to get back to it. It's desperately needed. There's a quote that I've heard you say before, we're blind, they're mute. Explain what you mean by that quote. Yeah, so the bully doesn't like to say, hey, I'm being bullied, especially young men. Young men get a stigma if they step up and say, hey, I'm being bullied, right? Oh, you're supposed to knock them out, whatever. You're supposed to be tough. And women, women are more likely to report it than men are, but they still don't always come forward and say, hey, I'm being picked on or at work, you know, I'm being harassed at work. Sometimes they're afraid they'll lose their job. They're afraid they'll get made fun of, you know, there's a lot of fears or I'll go home and get in trouble because I was a whiner, whatever. So that causes the muteness behind the bullying. And then we're blind because I don't know how many people, you know, I'm, I'm talking to during the day and they're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And I'm like, uh, I don't think so. <laughs> right. right. But it takes that. Hang on. I hear what you're not saying. And the reason I say that is because suicide is on an exponential growth rate right now. That is scary. And I don't know if it's because of the field I work in or if it's even a worse problem than I know of. But I can tell you just in the last week of three people who committed suicide. When you talk about suicide, there's teen suicide and then there's adult suicide. Let's dig deeper on teen suicide. So um, teen suicide is now also into preteen suicide. And it is an alarming rate that is, is way out of control. Um, I believe it's because we don't have enough people listening we have a lot of people talking, but we don't have a lot of people listening. And kids are lost and they are confused and they are searching for answers in their music and in social media and in movies. And that's not who I want raising my kids. And so we need to get parents involved again. There are some incredible parents out there and sometimes kids still choose the wrong direction to go. And you still and you do the best you can. It's absolutely okay to love the child and discipline the behavior. I taught parenting classes for a lot of years, and sometimes those lines get blurred between love and discipline. I can love my child completely and still discipline them. 
God loves me completely and he still disciplines me. And so can parents. And I think sometimes they get confused between love and discipline. And they think that if they love their child enough, they won't discipline them. Well, they'll, they'll come around. No, they won't. You need to tell them what's right and what's wrong. And you need to say, we don't allow that in our house, period. And Thank I you. invite you to have a conversation with your children and to listen. Now, what you're talking about relates to the blind spots too. We all yes, have blind does. spots. Tell us more about the blind spots. So um, my daughter was suicidal as a young child and I knew that there were issues. I had no idea how deep they were. And as the program Bullyproofing You was created for her and it has blessed many, many other people. It was created for me to help me. It was created to help her, you know, and we've been blessed to be able to reach other people as well. And it starts, I believe that slippery slope to suicide starts with me and my negative thoughts. And I start having these negative thoughts. And if I don't stop them, they continue to multiply and get worse. And that opens the door to bad things. And those bad things take me down a path that I would not go down if I had stopped them in the beginning and said, Lord, help me. I know that you love me. I know that you believe in me. Help me remember that now in this moment. There are two Bible, well, a bunch of Bible verses, but two Bible verses that I go to continually and I let people know about them. One mm -hmm. is Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. I hold on to that verse all the time. When something negative happens, I'm like, hold on. No, that's not the plan God has for me because his plan would never harm me or hurt me. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have struggles and difficulties. I absolutely do. And I know they're to grow me and make me stronger so that I can handle more and more responsibility. The other Bible verse is, is Joshua 1.9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. I love that. Now you have identified that you have a clear purpose and you believe that we all have a clear purpose. True? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And many people may not know what their purpose is. What would you say to them? I would say start asking. Start looking for the things that you enjoy. I love to teach and I love to learn. I love taking a concept and giving it back to somebody and them going, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way before. And so if you don't know what your purpose is, it's because you're not seeking your purpose. My guess is that you continue to say, I don't know what my purpose is. And your subconscious mind goes, okay, we don't know what our purpose is. And so you've trained your subconscious to not say, hey, um, excuse me, I know what your purpose is. If you would just listen, I could teach you. Our conscious mind can process roughly 4,000 bits of information per second. Our subconscious can do about 4 million bits of information per second. Big discrepancy there, right? So yes. my subconscious is the one that's really running my body. It's the one that has all those programs that take care of me so that my conscious mind can deal with the things that are going on around me. If I don't tap into my unconscious mind, my subconscious, whatever you want to call it, if I don't tap into that, I am letting a huge resource go to waste. 
And so by asking questions before I go to sleep at night, because my conscious mind shuts off, my subconscious does not. And so if I ask that question, what's my purpose? Tell me what my purpose is. I'd really like to wake up in the morning and know my purpose. And then keep a notepad by your bed because you're going to ask that question over and over for a few days. And then all of a sudden it's going to come. However, your subconscious is going to test you at first because you've been telling it that you don't know and you can't find it and you don't understand and you're not sure. And so you have shut down the beautiful resource of your subconscious mind. So it's going to take a while of you saying, no, no, it's okay. It's safe. You can tell me to start getting that information. Most people that are educators probably at some point in time in their life believe they were called to be educators. How do you tap into them if they're at a place where they feel as if nothing they do matters? I totally understand how you can get there and feel that way. And what I recommend you do, if you want to stay as a teacher, start finding the moments where you do matter. Start talking to your students. It's so easy to get caught up in lesson plans and grades and tests and all of that. Take a moment out of the day and go sit by one of your students for lunch and say, hey, what do you like about the school? What do you not like about the school? What do you like about my class or you don't like about my class? Start asking for feedback. So often we don't ask for feedback because we are afraid of the feedback we're going to get. You can also record your classes. I did that um, about once a year. I would record my classes just to see that third perspective, you know, because I had my idea of how class went. My students had their idea of how class went and a video showed a totally different idea of how the class went. Yes. <laughs> and so spend time with the things that matter. If you're teaching something that can be answered by, hey, Google, mm -hmm. you're out of date. If you're teaching kids how to think and reason and feel and process, you've got it going on. That's what we need. And I know that when I say that from stage and there's a bunch of teachers in the audience, sometimes it ticks them off and sometimes it doesn't. And so I invite you to rekindle that love for learning and for teaching. I couldn't tell you the number of times I was in a staff meeting with teachers and they weren't listening. Somebody was in the front of the room trying to teach us something or train us on something and the teachers are talking. And I remember at one point saying, shut up, shut up. Would you ever allow your students to behave this way? No. So behave how you want your students to behave. We have incredible teachers. Teachers are mm -hmm. humans. Humans make mistakes. And so wherever you are as a teacher, whether you're an incredible stellar, guess what? You can get better. And if you've stumbled a few times and you've lost your way, guess what? You can get better. Recommit, refocus, regroup, and go again. Now, I know you're speaking to teachers, but you could say the same thing to administrators too, couldn't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would ask an administrator, when was the last time you were in your schools? When was the last time you walked down the hall? Because when I was marketing exclusively to schools, my Bully Proofing You program, I would call either the principal or the superintendent, depending on you know, how the district ran those decisions. 
And they would constantly tell me, we don't have a bullying problem. I'm like, you have kids, you have a bullying problem. But because they wanted to ignore the fact and they want to say, oh, no, we, we don't have a problem. They want to you know, bury their heads in the sand, so to speak. They weren't in tune with the hallway. They weren't in tune with what was going on in classes because they had their own excuses. I'm tied up in meetings. I'm going here. I've got all these responsibilities. Yeah, your responsibility is to the students. That's your responsibility. And that's what needs to be remembered. What about the students themselves? Would they be candid with you or would they be candid with a principal if a principal asked them how they're do how things are going in their school with whether not or not right there's an the issue? Beginning. Yeah, if you're a principal that's never come out of their office, my daughter, I was talking with my daughter the other day and she's like, Mom, I don't even know who my principal was. I never saw him. You know, so if you're that kind of principal and you never leave your office, no, they're not gonna trust you especially if you call them into your office and say, hey, tell me how it's going. They're going to tell you whatever you want to know. That's why you hang out in the hallway and you listen. You listen as the kids walk by. What are they talking about? What are they engaged in? Or you sit in the cafeteria during lunch or you walk through the commons area and you listen first and you write some notes and then you go back to your office and you compile those notes. And then you call in your student body officers and you say, hey, I'm a little bit worried. I was walking around the hallway the other day and these are some of the things that I've heard. What have you guys heard? But if you just call someone in and say, tell me how it's going. Yeah, you're not going anywhere. Now, one tip you've already shared for both parents and teachers is that's to pay attention to people's nonverbal response to see whether or not their verbal response aligns with their nonverbal message. Are there other tips you can share? Yeah, so one of the things that I always tell parents and teachers is when a student comes in or a child comes in and says, mom, Sally called me, whatever. Our first natural instinct is say, no, honey, you're smart, you're intelligent, you're beautiful, whatever. The problem is, is that sends the wrong message to the child. And I learned this from Jim Fay and Foster Klein, Love and Logic, taught their classes for a lot of years, used it in my classroom. They say, when your child or your student comes in and says, Timmy said, the first thing you say is, ah, aren't you glad I don't believe that? You see, in that moment, we empower the child to realize they have a decision to make about what labels get stuck on us and what labels we choose to keep on us. That's the most powerful thing you can ever do for your child or your student. We want our children, our students, our spouses, our friends, making the decision of what they listen to and what they don't, because that's how we empower them and bully-proof them for life. Tell me more about your book, Bully-Proofing You, my book is called Bullyproofing You, Improving Confidence and Personal Value from the Inside Out. And we have created an entire home study course. It is all about helping you move from where you're at to where you want to be. You know, because when I believe in me, I can make anything happen. That's what the book and the home study course is all about. Believing in yourself and the things that you can make happen. There's videos, there's a workbook, there's um, 
tons of bonuses in there. You get a physical copy, you get a digital copy, all of that. And I will autograph it personally to you and get it in the mail as soon as you make the order. And you can go to bullyproofingyoubook.com. You probably offer additional support for somebody who's going through a hard time, either a parent Absolutely. or a teacher or a child. Absolutely. I have um, a few spots for personal mentoring right now. Um, because of our growth, we're filling up rapidly. Um, I also do group coaching as well. We also come to schools and do a training. And we also go into businesses and all kinds of stuff. So anywhere that people are saying, hey, Jeannie, I have a team that needs some help or my family needs some help or whatever. Um, if you send me a link or you know a message on social media or in wherever, I'm the only Cisco meth on social media. So I'm really easy to find. It is spelled just like computer accessories and drugs. So I'm really easy to find. Send me a message that says, hey, I heard you on Keith's podcast. Or if you forget Keith's name, my name, whatever, just reach out to me and I'll give you a free 30 minute session where we can talk and, and dive a little bit deeper into your individual issue. You probably have an email address too that people can reach you with. Yes, and genie at geniesiscometh.com. No hyphen in the email. And I'll include that in the show notes. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. And if somebody wants to learn more for you, how, how else would they get in touch with you and stay connect with you? Um, like I said, we're on a lot of social media, LinkedIn, Facebook. We're growing our Instagram audience right now. Twitter, Twitter gets lost sometimes. <laughs> so the best way is, is social media, um, Jeannie Cisco Meth, or, you know, send me an email. Uh, I have a podcast, you know, so there's, there's a lot of different ways. If you Google my name, you're going to get about 12 or 13 pages of different things that we've done. So um, a lot of it's free, some of it's paid, but it's there's a lot of resources out there. What's the name of your podcast? It's called Bullyproofing You. So yeah, so Jeannie Cisco Meth, if you just search that name, or if you just search Cisco Meth, because you're not sure how to search Jeannie, search Cisco Meth and tons of stuff's going to pop up. You'll get in touch with me. And there may be a listener, and it may be you, that you really connect and resonate with Jeannie's message. And if you want to, please reach out to her. I'll include the contact information in the show notes. Jeannie, thank you so much for being with us today, for managing the weather in your space. Thank you for having me, Keith. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's episode of Embers in Wind. If you enjoyed today, please come back next week. Please also share this episode with a friend. If you've not already subscribed to Embers and Wind, rated this podcast, and written a review, please do this now. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at embersandwind.net. Thank you again for joining us.